This is the Kestrel Country Podcast, where we discuss the people, places, and events all around Kestrel Country. John Carnahan, thanks for joining us on the podcast this week. Thanks Happy for to be here. Us. Yeah, you're down here all the time. Yes, you've got your office down here. I'm around the real estate John, a lot. You were down here for a little while. Yeah, doing that nine months. Yeah, doing some property managing stuff. Yeah. So today we are supposed to talk about long term real estate investing, and don't take it personally that we're having you guys on to talk about long term. <laughs> yeah. Right, but <laughs> how yeah. are we going to have there's, any gravitas? There's a little more history, put it that way, in real estate with you all um, than with some of us. So, yeah. yeah, just wanted to talk about maybe let's start off um, by John introduce yourself, what your history is, background in real estate, what brought you to Idaho. Okay, yeah, a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, uh, Several years after we were married, I got a job um, doing some property management. Uh, the owner had mobile home parks and mobile homes, and my job was to collect rent on space rent and also the rentals of the mobile homes. And was that here in Idaho? Yeah, that was in Boise. But you grew up in California. <clears throat> yeah, grew up in Southern California, yeah. moved up to Idaho when I was 20, got married at 21, <laughs> been married 48 years. Long-term investment. (laughs) That is a long-term investment. That's a good one. And so that property management then um, moved to California, back to California for a couple years uh, and did property management with my dad. He had sold his real estate company, but kept the property management division. So did that for a couple years, moved back up to Boise. uh, And this was in the mid-80s when things were... Uh, not good uh, economically and went to work for what is now U.S. Bank uh, in their REO department. Okay. Did that for 11 years and then moved up to uh, Moscow to send our kids to Logos. What, what is REO? Real estate owned. Okay. We, we called it O-R-E-O, okay. other real estate owned. It was basically commercial loans secured by all kinds of real estate. Uh, and uh, we would, uh, the branch who was servicing the loan would transfer it to us when it went bad. We'd try to work it out, and if we couldn't, we'd foreclose and try to get some recovery. Yeah, so, like the, so, you're the workout group, so to speak. Or you're after the workout group. Well, we were the last workout group. The you're the end, end of the line. Yeah, end of the line. Yeah, uh, so you would sell the properties. Yeah, go out Oftentimes. and go out and value them. Uh, see if uh, you know if we were in second position. Many times we just write it off and walk away. But uh, uh, value, uh, sell, uh, foreclose, and then sell it. And it could be bare ground. Sometimes single family residences, small, um, small investment. You know, strip malls, things like that. Okay, so it wasn't just residential. Because no. in our world, like we, I, whenever I hear REO, 
you think of foreclosed bank-owned properties yeah. that come up for sale. That went to a purely different group that okay. they did residential mortgages. We did commercial loans. Gotcha. Yeah, that okay. were, were secured their best. It is a good lesson though for you know thinking about long-term real estate investing. It isn't risk-free and you have to have staying power. Yeah. And uh, so that level of debt is a concern. Yeah. If yeah. you have too much debt, it can, and the timing isn't right, the market isn't right, all of a sudden you can find out that you've lost your investment. Yeah. So you were busy doing that in the 80s. Yeah, in the 80s. the economy was Yeah, tanking, rough. and then it got better. And, and so since it got better, um, uh, US, it was Idaho First National Bank that okay. I worked for. U.S. Bank bought them. My job moved to Portland uh, because I was get, having less and less to do. At the same time, um, I read Recovering Law Stills and Learning. Hey, that's, that's right in Moscow. So uh, we moved up in 96. I went to work for a very short time at uh, Moscow Realty oh, yeah. when we first moved up. Yeah. <clears throat> and then uh, went to work for Logos and, uh, first in their uh, their uh, sales, material sales, and then uh, teaching and athletic director, 20 years. Yeah. So there you go. And Jed, who works here, was an athletic director for a brief time. One after year after. You one year yeah. after I. There you yeah. go. <laughs> it all ties together. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fun. But you're, you said your dad sold his real estate business and then got into property or kept property management. That's so you right. grew up in the real estate yeah. world yeah. to a degree. Um, I, uh, yeah. I ended up, you know, doing it a little bit. My younger brother's in real estate now, but my dad was, you know, he had a large company. He was president of the California Real Estate Association, now CAR in I think it was 1980 or 1981, something like that. So from 1948 to his retirement at 65 or something, when the, when Merrill Lynch bought his company, he, he, um, he was in real estate. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty much I'll, I was doing sports. So pretty much all I knew is that there were ups and downs. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. 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 So dad, what about you? Give us your your little your background in how in it relates to real estate. Real estate, where you grew up. Yeah, so that was a uh, real estate was always sort of a part time activity in our family, but it actually goes back to your uh, great grandfather. I remember as a kid um, driving by these terrace apartments, to you know townhouse style apartments, and. Uh, my dad saying, oh, that's where we lived after World War II. Uh, your grandfather, your grand, great-grandfather, built those during the war. So when the boys came home from the war, they had a place to live. And so, wow. you know, I was exposed to that. My grandfather was involved in it. My first actual active um, participation in real estate was manning wells in ditches where they were dewatering property. So I was like 14 years old. Really? And um, this was in Michigan, and there's a lot of high water table areas and that kind of thing. And, that sounds and, nice. Yeah. So you were. <laughs> I don't have any water. Yeah. yeah. So uh, anyway, to develop property, um, 
they had to move the water to another area kind of a thing. And so they dug ditches and then you'd pump water from one ditch into another and it would flow into another area. And so I would wade, <laughs> wade out and move the, the pipes along. But it was it was it was interesting, and uh, that was so that was my first exposure was in the mud and water. Yeah, and uh, but uh, yeah, my, my so dad, you're, you're my great grandfather. Your grandfather did some real estate development, right? Did and did he hold and rent those, or was he selling? No, those? he mostly he uh, the um, I think for the most part, I think the those terrace apartments he owned for a while and then sold, but mostly he developed and sold. So in the same way. But he built those townhouses. He built um, small, uh, small lot developments again for as these you know young men came back from World War II and wanted to you know start a home and that kind of thing. He developed property, and then our family was in the lumber business, and so um, my dad kind of continued with that as the opportunity presented itself, either partnering with builders or helping builders develop lots and that kind of thing. So. That was been my primary exposure to real estate was sort of new construction, developing lots, that sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So it's always been kind of an ancillary, but integrated to a right. degree right. type of thing. Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, I've talked about that here too, but that's kind of feel like similar to my story, right? Ours are obviously intertwined, but that you were involved in those similar activities. Real estate was always kind of happening around, you know, part of it, and yeah. which I, I enjoyed. And um, yeah, so getting into some of maybe the investment side, you mentioned it already, some of the risk um, leveraging and that kind of thing. Um, there's, there's a lot of stuff out there, I feel like, for people who either want to get into full-time real estate investing or you know, here's how you can quit your job and, and invest in real estate full-time and that kind of thing. Um, but with something being more of a, an ancillary, just something else to invest in, um, do you have any recommendations for people who, you know, want to try to get into that, if that makes sense? Or, or maybe cautions, you know, yeah. you've been through, you've both been through a few cycles, the 80s, seeing things get foreclosed on, better markets obviously we're in a bit of a shifting market right now um i think one of the things i often we often hear is just some um i don't know desperate desperation is probably not the right word more of just discouragement of man i don't know if i'm even going to be able to get into that like it, it sounds great to invest in real estate but yeah you know everything's so expensive but it's kind of been there before no, no question about it. Yeah. yeah. So what have you seen either in cycles, either or both of you, you might encourage people to get into it? Yeah, I, I think the uh, first thing to do is, one, you got to do a lot of homework, you know, look mm -hmm. at a lot of properties and get comfortable with the idea that this is something you like to do and are interested in because um, you you could be an inactive investor um, and pay somebody else to manage it and do all that kind of thing. And that's certainly one strategy, but that means really buying the property, right? You really have to have purchased that property probably at a discount some way in order to be able to 
you know, have somebody else manage it and pay them to management and get a reasonable return. And you certainly have to have a long-term, really long-term outlook for something like that. Some kind of like fixer-upper or something. Yeah. I mean, you know, some, some way, um, if you're going to pay someone else to, to manage the real estate, it has to be very, very profitable yeah. <laughs> as opposed to doing it yourself. Um, you know, maybe you can, you know, if you manage it yourself, there's some more upside. Um, but you've got to be prepared that that's what you want to do. Yeah. And the larger the property is, of course, the more likely you are to uh, have someone else manage it. If it's a, a single family residence or a duplex, probably not that difficult to manage it yourself. Uh, uh, for me, um, after I knew, okay, this is, this is how much money I have. So this is the ballpark I'm in. This is the type of property I'm interested in. Maybe it's a duplex. And maybe I'm going to have to live in half of it to make it work. But um, after I figure out the generalities of <clears throat> um, how much I can spend and um, what kind of property I'm looking for, then go out and look, look for it. And, and the first thing when I see something the first thing that comes to my mind is, is it price right? So they're asking X, it, um, are they asking too much or not? And the way I always worked on that, what kind of return on investment am I gonna get if I pay, um, so there's a duplex and it's 500,000, I don't know. Uh, and I want, the, uh, I want at least a 5% return on my investment, 5%, you know, that's not, uh, these days it's probably pretty good. But, uh, so uh, how do I figure it out? Well, it's easy to figure it. You, um, 500,000 um, net return, not counting a mortgage would be, um, well, 10% is 50,000, so it'd be $25,000. Can I get $25,000 annually net, so which is a little more than 2,000 a month, um, and then, uh, oh, well, it's, it's priced at 500. Okay. Well, this is fair or it's, um, what, what, uh, makes me comfortable. Yeah. So you start with your return I criteria. Start, yeah, this I, is what I want to make. Yeah. This is what I want to make. I'm going to find properties that might be able to do that. And then the particular pro property, can I do it with this property? Uh, and and then if I have to borrow money, then, you know, the 2000 a month, and then it's going to cost me, you know, 1500 for a mortgage and, you know, the taxes, uh, well, no, 2000 already figuring in the taxes and insurance, but the mortgage. And then um, anything that terrible happens, you might yeah. be able to put something away uh, for that rainy day. Yeah. Do you see, is there... Um how many do you have any gauge of how many properties on in general you might have to look at or analyze to get the right one or well, is it just depends on if you're living in Los Angeles or you're living in Moscow <laughs> I have no idea yeah uh, how many because just availability uh, you you could probably today spend a half a day or less and see all the duplexes that would possibly. Oh yeah. Or, or few. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I can show them to you in an hour. During right lunch. Now. Yeah. <laughs> but. Right. But is there, I mean, do you end up saying no to a lot of properties? Are you pretty disciplined in that as you're. Well, um, I don't know. I've, I've had real estate representation that, uh, you know, that's, that's the importance of having a realtor is that you say, okay, this is what I can spend. These are my comfort levels. Will you watch out for something like mm. that? Or yeah. again, if you're in Los Angeles, will you go find something like that? And then next week we can go look at them or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so good real estate representation is real important because you're not, uh, you're not trying to do it all yourself. That part of it, finding properties to go through. Yeah. That's interesting. It reminded me of, I was talking to another guy who's been involved in real estate development for years and years kind of thing. And he was mentioning how the company he worked for, they would make tons and tons of money in these positive markets, you know, the upswings and, and then he said, as a company, we would have made so much more money over over a long, you know, 30, 40 year time period if we had said no more often. Because hmm. he said, you'd make great money on these deals. And then as the market shifted, they would start to just naturally want to continue to do deals and compromise on, like you're saying, this is my criteria. These are my returns. And they said, well... Yeah, this deal doesn't look quite as good, but you know, I think we can make it work. Or if we did this a little differently, we, and then they lose a bunch of the profits they'd made. Yeah, you know, saying saying yes or forcing it a little bit, and that's some of what I've seen over the last couple of years as this frenzy in the market is people settling for almost no return or buying yeah. something with deferred maintenance is like, well, I just really want to get get yeah. something get into the business. Yeah, I think saying you know. Getting into it is is uh, is important, but also learning to be disciplined and say no to a deal. Yeah, put a, it in a, a CD until <laughs> until you really find something. Yeah, good. yeah. Short, I think short term. I think a lot of people are fooled by, um, you know, you see on TV these flip deals where people yeah. make an incredible amount of money, but you don't see all the failures. You know, you only see all the success yeah. stories. You don't see the failures. You know, in my experience, we probably, uh, Dave, the guy that I've worked with in Michigan over the years, we probably look at 20 deals before we find one that works kind of a thing. You know, so we turn down 19 before we find one that actually works and makes it. And I don't mean just glancing around looking on the Internet or the MLS or whatever. I mean, actually evaluating a piece of property mm -hmm. and going in and doing the homework and that kind of thing. And maybe making an offer and getting rejected. Well, yours um, is more development. Yeah, more on the development yeah, side, so. but it could, that could be even on fixer uppers or whatever. Yeah. And uh, um, so I, I think, you know, that's why I say doing your homework, spending the time, looking at it, those kind of things are, are uh, you know, very important, counting the cost. Yeah, and, something that's ready to go would be a lot um, easier to, to just say yes or no on. Right. A lot of more, right. a, a lot more. Um, seems to me risk in <clears throat> doing a development right we have developments here that you know well uh, they take a long they, time well yeah and they started when things were good and now they're in the midst of them and and interest rates have gone up and demand is going well i don't know if demand's gone down but it's expensive to get in yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, the demand hasn't really gone down. We're seeing a lot of pent up demand, but mm -hmm. that affordability issue yeah. is a big problem. Mm -hmm. And I think there's just been a shift. It's funny, so we've been talking about this locally. There, there's a lot of buyer demand right now and su super low inventory. And yet it really feels like it's shifted to a buyer's market, yeah. which doesn't make any sense, yeah. you know, demand versus supply. But the mentality, the buyers, I think, are just kind of fed up and also uh. more, t more timid and cautious. And so like we've seen not much inventory, but a little bit of inventory hit the market the last few weeks and most of it. It's just sitting there, Wow! Yeah. you know, because I think buyers and, and I've had this personal experience taking buyers through. Yeah, it's it's nice. But yeah, let's wait, think, let's wait and see or wait till spring. You know, Is that wait till spring? Wait, to see what else comes on the market. Wait to see if it drops a little bit. Maybe, you know, maybe it'll drop in price. You know, I had one one uh, buyer I was taking around literally said my financial advisor told me to wait until uh, this summer to buy. Huh. I think the market's going to drop yeah. by then. You know, and so I think wow. a lot of people are just holding tight a little bit. Well, there's a real um, danger, though, there in timing the market. I think trying to time the market just doesn't work. I mean, it's just... Oh, I, it's, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I think you, you do your homework. The other thing, I think that, that you know, um, if people are... Real, they think, oh, interest rates are higher, prices are high, so they may you know, decide, well, I'm not going to pursue this now. And I think there's a mistake in that because I, I another thing that, uh, another opportunity, I think, is always looking, trying to find hidden value. And again, that's where, you know, perhaps a, a, a realtor can help you too. And just, you know, finding that hidden value because there may be a two bedroom, you know, one and a half bath house out there that you could literally, you know, put up a small wall or add a closet and all of a sudden it's a three bedroom house and you've added a ton of value to the house. Mm -hmm. And so there's, you know, finding those little hidden values, you know, looking, oh, there's an old house, you know, gee, you know, it's on a big lot. Could I split that lot? You know, is there an opportunity to, to do something like that? You mm -hmm. know, uh, those, those, those opportunities are, are where, you know, the person who's doing their homework, looking at a lot of deals, will find them where the, you know, the casual investor who's, you know, more trying to time the market is going to miss those opportunities. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why it's important doing your homework up front, knowing what you want, knowing how much you want to spend, and when it hap when it comes up, um, he who hesitates is lost in in this sense. As far as I'm concerned, right. just mm -hmm. just do it, and you, um, the Lord knows the future. We don't. As long as we've done our homework, just. Uh, uh, leave it up, the rest up to uh, Providence. Well, that's a, that's another good point. Is that on in, in terms of good deals, um, the good deals are going to get snapped up right away. So you have to have done your homework, so you know when the good deal is there, so you can pull the trigger right away. Because if you're right. if you're doing your yeah. homework, you know if you haven't done your homework and you just start to do your homework, the guy that's done his homework is going to he's going to grab that deal right away and it's going to be gone. I mean. Mm -hmm. Mike, you you you're, you can probably speak to what happens. I mean, houses either sell very quickly or they linger on the market a long time. And usually, the ones that sell quickly are the ones that are priced right, or there's an opportunity like that. So you got to be again, do your homework, be ready to go, always be looking. It's fun. I mean, real estate's fun. Yeah. So, are there is there anything looking back? 
not that you regret, not regrets, but just, you know, it's like, well, in terms of real estate investing that I might've done differently or that I would, I would, uh, somebody who's getting into it, somebody who's younger, got more rope, you know, runway ahead of them. What would, uh, you say that, you know, I, this is a lesson I learned that I might do differently. Gee. Um, well, residentially, um, we've, the first couple of houses we bought to, to live in ourselves, um, we just got all excited and started to put all kinds of money into it. And, and with things that weren't really, uh, uh, long-term, uh, financially smart hmm. so uh, we had fun doing it but we we over a couple times we over improved for for the for the neighborhood and um, got a little excited yeah <laughs> so so which is not a bad thing if it's your home and you want true. to live there you want to enjoy it so true but if you're a lot of people are in that you know Every two years, a little bit of that fix, not flipping, yes. but fix yeah. up, improve, sell, step up, you know, that kind of thing. Yes. And then you really, yeah. you do need to kind of be thinking towards but if, if what's going to be a good investment. Yeah. And if you know, this is, you know what, this is our, um, we're, <clears throat> we've been married 15 years. We have four kids. This is, we're not going to grow anymore. Uh, this is the house we want to live in. There are more reasons to, to improve property than the future sales value yeah uh it's a lot uh just comfort and and what mom wants and, yeah yeah and what mom wants to exactly <laughs> yeah it your home can be a great investment but it's usually first a home yeah. secondly an investment yeah, I mean, that is that's yeah. part of what people don't always think through is you know don't overanalyze if you need a home to live in you need a home and maybe it's not the best maybe you overpay a little bit but if it's yeah. what's right for your family exactly right yeah mm-hmm. yeah How about you yeah i think i think probably leverage you know knowing you know how what's a reasonable level of debt you know um um used to be you could borrow money for raw land and uh, yeah. you know i saw the the dangers that came of that. You probably saw that with the bank as well. Um, you know, you can get a downturn and all of a sudden that interest just keeps going and taxes keep going and that kind of thing. So you have to have a lot of staying power and evaluating that. If you have the staying power, generally speaking, you know, my experience is that if you have the staying power, the values do come back and you can, you know, yeah. uh, you can make money and, and uh, you know, proceed. But if you don't have the staying power and you have debt, you've lost the entire investment. So you have to be very, yeah, you have yeah. to be very careful about that. And I think also really being realistic about evaluating expenses. You know, um, you know, you, you got to mow the grass, you got to shovel the snow, you've got to repair the toilet. I mean, things happen. Um, you know, and, and that's again where you know a realtor can come in and help on inspections or other things, making sure you know that there aren't any things that are you know, you can't eliminate all the risks, but there are certain things that can cost a lot of money. All of a sudden, yeah. you have to replace a sewer line, you know, and it's not a thousand dollars; it's twenty thousand dollars or something like that. So yeah. I think that's 
you know, so make sure you're counting those costs. Yeah, investment mistakes. Uh, one that I saw, which is a major one, in the early 80s, things were good, values were going up, um, and a fellow that I worked for would <clears throat> would leverage his his property. So buy one, value would go up, borrow the money out of there, take it up to, I don't know, 90% loan to value. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then go buy something else, and the value go up. Do the same thing. And he had, he was um, property rich with lots of debt. And in the mid '80s, the market just went like that, lost it all. Hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Being able, I think that's a. I mean, that's partly what in some ways we were supposed to talk about was the long-term nature of yeah. it. There are flip opportunities in real estate, but you really need to think of real estate as a long-term business. My dad, he, you know, beyond location, 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 my dad would say, you buy real estate, you don't sell real estate. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and in analyzing those costs, assuming, I remember even, you know, similar thing when we, I uh, built a spec house here in town um, a few years back as an investment, right? And um, we, in analyzing it, that was what we did was we looked at, okay, can we build this thing cheap enough that we could rent it? We think we're going to sell it. You know, the market's strong. I'm in real estate. I'm confident we build this thing. I can sell it at a profit. Plan B. But if the market drops, could we rent this thing and cover the loan payments, you know? Until and that was the back. that was the analysis. And and I think some of that's natural. I'm a little bit of a naturally pessimistic or, you know, <laughs> worst case scenario type person. But I, I think that is a helpful thing. I do the same with short term rentals. When I talk to somebody about Airbnb and that kind of thing, there you can make some great money in Airbnb. But my recommendation to buyers is always analyze it as though it's a long term rental. Make sure it pencils yeah. if you needed to just rent it out, you know, on a monthly basis, and then consider the Airbnb the short-term opportunity as your profit. Like that's that's great, and you can do really well at it. But I would suggest making sure it it pencils, at least breaks even, as a long-term rental because that's a market that can change. We saw it with. You know, things like COVID shutting stuff down yeah. or, you know, the vandals and, the, and, and the, the cougars both have a terrible year, whatever, or even government regulation. Yeah. Right? There are towns that have restricted it and all of a sudden in a certain zone, you can't have Airbnbs or whatever. And so having that kind of longer term, worst case scenario view, I think is That's important. exactly right. I, um, when I, when I've gone in and made, you know, investments in real estate the um again like i said before what's my cash on cash return and you can sometimes get uh from a realtor oh here's here's the analysis of the property and in 30 years you're going to have a gazillion dollars uh, um, to me <clears throat> am i going to be able to cover expenses and make my whatever I want to make because uh, appreciation is going to take care of itself. You can't do anything about it. 
it's going to go up, it's going to go, go down, down. Mm-hmm. and I'm in this for the long haul. And so it's like, I suppose, although I'm not a stock guy, you're supposed to buy stocks and just let it, be, uh, let it ride for the long term. That's what they say. I don't know. I know nothing about stocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one of the beauties is real estate is that you, you know, it, it is something that you can wrap your arms around and understand. If you live in an area, you can look at the real estate, you know, to some degree, I'm like you, I don't really understand the stock market, but you know, there's the mystery of, you know, it's out there and there are people trading it and it's in and out and other things, but real estate is pretty, you know, you can walk past it. You can look at it. You know, to me, it's a wonderful um, way to diversify your retirement you income is, you know, yeah. you can, you can, and you can enjoy it. I mean, as well. I mean, you may not live there, but you can enjoy the fact that the property's there and you can watch on it. And people always need a place to live. I mean, that's, that's one of the beauties of real estate is people do need a roof over their head. They need to eat. They need to have a roof over their head. So, or a place what, to do business. Or a place to do business. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Here we are. <laughs> well, do any are there any funny stories that come to mind of either situations maybe from property management days with dealing with lot rent or dealing with a development issue that came up? Any, uh, yeah. Funny stories. So, uh, yeah. Or just I, weird I ones. Might, I might think of a funny story. This. Sad stories are uh, <laughs> more sad <laughs> yeah. than funny. Collecting rents, there's a lot of sad stories out there. Yeah, uh, you had like a showing, a funny showing story, where there you found something interesting in a house. Oh yeah, that was yeah. That's Thank you for one. reminding yeah. me about that. <laughs> that really was funny. Yeah, we um, went to look at an old farmhouse. Uh, the opportunity it was vacant. The woman who had lived there was out of the house. She, she had either passed away or was in a you know, nursing home or something. And uh, the family was um, selling the property. That was a nice piece of real estate with an old farmhouse. And we went in and um, they, instead of what is often done where people clean out the house or stage it or whatever, they hadn't done this. The woman had moved out, the family was out of town. And so they just put it on the market. So. We went into the house, and and this uh, uh, person who owned the house had obviously been a collector, and so there were a lot of. You mean a hoarder? No, not even a, not a hoarder, but just just collected a lot of things. You know, there were a lot of little collectibles. You know, little collecting knickknacks, knickknacks all around the house, and that kind of thing, and uh, stuff, some stuffed animals. And we're walking through the house, and I'm talking to the clients about. <laughs> about, you know, how they could utilize the house. They, they had kids and, you know, what about bedrooms and stuff. And and as we were walking through the house, you know, you know, I said, well, you know, this is, this is, you know, interesting or whatever. And I was thinking to myself, this is the kind of house where, you know, you, you go into the room and, you know, the person is deceased in the rocking chair or something, you know, it's like, yikes, all these people's personal this things are there, the you know, it's like, you know, <laughs> so we, we go up the stairs and I, I open a bedroom door and there literally is a rocking chair in the corner with a, no. what appears to be at first glance, a person in it. Well, it was a full size doll sitting in the rocking chair, but you know, <laughs> 
everything flashed before me, the, the little old lady and that kind of thing. Anyway, so, so yeah, that was, that was kind of fun. I did have another one where it was actually a piece of property and I went there and there was literally a homeless person on a couch in the, who had gotten into the house and passed out. And I thought they were dead. <laughs> they were so passed out. And uh, so anyway, but the, the police came. That's what's yeah, fun about real estate. Like you're saying, it's tangible, right? Yeah, that's it's right. These, it's these very clean stocks. You never have to touch yeah, them. It's no very people. real. It's very real. That would. That being said, I would say that uh, as John, I like what John said about you know uh, not selling. Uh, you know, I think that you know hanging on to real estate is good and that kind of thing. But if you are going to sell, I would say that staging cleanup. Yeah. All those things oh, are extremely, yeah, extremely important. Yeah. And by the same that's token, true. there may be opportunities when you find that one that's not staged, that's a mess, maybe a real opportunity. It's yeah. oh yeah, as in as a from an investment standpoint, or even just a homeowner, but from a deal standpoint, I love houses that smell bad. Like yeah. that's oh yeah, like you know that's. If it it's smells a huge opportunity. Like that, that smells like money, right? It's like because most people are just totally turned off by it, don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. We, yeah, the one one place that um, that we bought here in town, I think one of the reasons we got a good deal on it was one of the four units. Three of the units were great, great shape. One of the four units was just a disaster, you know. And we need we ended up having to do a lot of work to it, but there but, was a ton of hidden opportunity because yeah. most people just didn't want to touch it, you know. Yeah, a, a story that I can tell is not funny it's just more <clears throat> how god will take care of you uh bought a property in in um, nampa idaho and uh it it was i don't know 25 years old or something uh did all the inspection and the inspector said you know that roof is probably you know you probably got another five years on it and it's big flat roof, you know, 25,000 square foot flat roof. And so I said, okay, well, that'll be fine. Uh, numbers, numbers, numbers. Okay, we'll put, put this aside. So a year later, there's a gigantic windstorm. And I get a call from the property manager, said, John, your roof blew off. <laughs> I said, it's a little what, funny. What do you, yeah. yeah. Wait, wait. What do you mean my roof blew off? It's he a flat said, roof, right? That's it, like <laughs> it, it, well, it had parapet, you know, but it rolled it up, and it was uh, four fifths on the ground. This the the the, the plastic the, the yeah. PVC you know the yeah. roofing stuff, and I went, oh man. Well, call call insurance guy, and he goes, yeah, well. So this many square feet, we'll get a bid, but it's probably minus depreciation. You know, I'm looking, I'm going, oh my goodness, this happened a lot sooner than I thought it was yeah. going to. Um, <clears throat> and then he calls me back and said, oh, you, you got the, for the extra hundred dollars a year or something, you know, insurance can be great. You got the, the no, um, no depreciation thing you're going to have to pay that $1,000 deductible. <laughs> For the but, whole roof. <laughs> but they put a, an almost $100,000 roof on there, and it cost yeah. $1,000. Nice. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah. insurance, you yeah. pay, you pay, uh, but, but sometimes you win. You you win. Well, <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. Pay yeah. a little. Sometimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that is a good lesson, though. You think sometimes it's really tempting to cheap out. Cheap out. You know, yeah. if I can save a little bit, mm-hmm. reduce, raise this yeah. deductible, take that coverage yeah. off, whatever. I even but, had um, and and um, uh, insurance that has a rider on it for terrorism. And it's it's right after nine eleven and and you know we're talking the Boise Treasure Valley <laughs> and you know cost thirty dollars a year or something like that and I go terrorism come on I don't need terrorism but now um, the coverage is probably a lot more balloons. expensive than it was there could have been a balloon over coming, here coming okay. down right on top of the property and there's Antifa, there's weird stuff going on yeah, so yeah. Um, people breaking windows yeah, and all that stuff which might not have been covered for some people yeah yeah, yeah. I, I did say another point. another funny one right so I, I don't know if it's funny but it's a good lesson we'll let you know it's a good lesson for it's a good lesson for buyers so uh, uh, I helped some people buy a house and got to closing towards it was the day before closing and uh, so we did the walkthrough, and, and I, I, this this story just by way of reminder to everybody that those final walkthroughs are important. So, uh, well kept house, nice lot. Um, the owners had moved out of town, but they were very um, uh, they cleaned the house. They you know took care of everything that was needed during you know that was that they needed to do according to the purchase agreement. Um, and one of the things we had specified was that the septic tank was pumped, um, make sure inspected and pumped. We're not and, talking another body, are we? No, not another body, not in the septic. So uh, anyway, we're doing the walkthrough, and we walked, and the house was spotless. I mean, the carpet had been cleaned. They had, you know, gone. I mean, everything in the, you know, they looked like they had pulled the refrigerator out and cleaned and everything. And we're walking through, and you know, the buyers were very happy and looking forward to closing. And um, the husband stepped out onto the back deck, you know, to look at the view and looked in the backyard. There was a giant 10 foot hole in the backyard. (laughs) So when they, after they had pumped out the septic tank, uh, it collapsed. Oh my God. And so, you know, this was literally the day before closing. And so the, the, you know, according to the contract, the, you know, closing didn't happen. And the people who owned the house had to completely replace the uh, septic tank, mm-hmm. dig it out and everything before closing. So, but it was, it was quite a surprise seeing this pristine thing and then seeing this giant hole that you probably could have driven a car into where the septic tank was. And uh, so anyway, just a good lesson. Yeah, that last absolutely. final walkthrough don't want to take that for granted. Well, you don't want to put the hose on 10 for sucking. You yeah. put them on seven. <laughs> no, it was just, it was the time, of, it, what had happened was it was the time of year. And, uh, you know, if it had been in the summertime. Older tank. It was yeah. an older tank. Yeah. And if it had been in the summertime when everything is dry, probably nothing would have happened. But the fact that it was springtime. And there was a lot of pressure on the outside from water on the outside. When they sucked the tank out, there was no counter pressure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, over a fairly short period of time, you know, a day or two, the pressure on the outside collapsed the tank. If the tank had been filled with water, 
or yeah. sewage, mm-hmm. uh, it would have been fine. But it was just the the timing of the thing. So um, it just those walkthroughs are good. You never know when a pipe might break or something like that, and you want the seller to be taking care of that. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Good. Any yeah. concluding thoughts for people? Uh, real estate can be a blessing, uh, can be a curse. So uh, be smart. I, you know, I just can't emphasize enough how it's important to have somebody with you, not doing it on your own. Mm-hmm. Having somebody with you, uh, uh, and I know this is your podcast, and this is not a commercial, but it, you need to have a professional just to help you walk through it. Yeah, I think I think real estate can be great. I, one caution, you know, is that real estate far away. You know, I, I, you know that can work, kind of a thing. Um, but it, it, I think one of the beauties and fun part about real estate is that it is something you can do. You can sort of participate in and build, as I say, towards retirement or whatever it is. Um, and I think local real estate is really fun. Real estate that's far away, you know, you might as well invest in General Motors or, you know, Google or something else um, because, you know, but local real estate is really fun because you can you can participate in it and enjoy it and, and again, build towards some retirement. Yeah. And that long term, over the long term, it's a great investment. Like you said, appreciation takes care of itself. Yeah. You up, you're going to have the ups and downs have staying power. Yeah. I think I like what you said about analyzing, knowing your numbers, knowing what you want to hit, and having yeah. somebody to help you with that. Um, and then just be confident. It helps you be confident. Yeah. Right. Well, if you the know more it, you analyze, the more you look yeah. at, the more you can be confident and then just jump in and, and do it. Yeah. The more you know, it's going to pretty much be taken care of month after month after month. Uh, the appreciation just it'll take care of itself because you can't, there's no way you can control it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And when you get old like John, then you can, you know, really enjoy that real estate. Kind of. There you go. There well, you thanks, go. you guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Like, share, subscribe. We'll see you next week.